actually come from so they they say we know less about our brain much less just dreams in general than we know about like the ocean and the outer space areas and things like that so that just gives you an idea how little we understand neurology and dreams being one of those aspects that's why i've always said that like if you look at the universe as a, a vast wholeness and how complex it is and how big it is i always said the brain is like a mini universe in every single human being that's what it looks like danny when you look at some of the pictures from like the hubble telescope into different galaxies and stuff it looks like the inside of a brain and neurons and different stuff connecting to different things and that's what it reminds me of personally i don't know about everybody else out there but that's what i see they literally say, like if you break it down to the individual fiber in a brain there's so many like they they can't even pinpoint how many, but they say tens of billions, if not even trillions of connections. That's in the what brain. I've heard. Trillions. I've heard yeah. there's trillions of neuronal connections. As wow. above, so below, like in the hermetic principles. There you go. <laughs> so dreams are one of the most fascinating and mystifying aspects of sleep. Since Sigmund Freud helped draw attention to the potential importance of dreams in the 19th century, Considerable research has worked to unravel both the neuroscience and psychology of dreams. Despite this advancing scientific knowledge, there is much that remains unknown about both sleep and dreams. Even the most fundamental questions, why do we dream at all? Is there subject to significant debate? Absolutely. So, that's why we're here today is to discuss a little bit about dreams. Now, I know I've had some morbidly fucked up dreams in my life. And from time I was a child, uh, especially once I hit my early teens. Oh boy, story time. Yeah, I started having, I remember (laughs) when I first, when I took my first trip to, uh, I went to see the Garden of the Gods in Colorado and I came back and I remember that night sleeping. And when I woke up, I almost felt as though, and this being like a 12 or 13 year old boy, I felt almost like I knew, like almost somebody handed me the keys to the universe. That's how I felt that whole entire day. I felt like it made sense to me, like life, everything. And of course it quickly went away after I I went to say what happened. Yeah. and, And I never could put like pinpoint that same feeling I had. But then I started having even more bizarre dreams. 
lots of, uh, in fact, you know, I've, I've probably told you before about like some of the panic attacks I used to have as a kid. I would wake up suffocating, literally choking to death. I couldn't fucking breathe. And um, they were always led by these bizarre dreams. I, I had this one dream in particular where I was in this dark place and there was this tree that was leaning over the water and I had a fishing pole and I went to get onto the tree hovering over the water so I could have a better vantage point of fishing. And it was nighttime, very dark. The water was nice and clear. Um, I should say nice and calm. It was murky, but nice and calm. And I threw my, my line in and something snagged it. And I realized that the fight was too tough for me and it pulled me in. I was determined. So I didn't let go of the fishing pole. And I remember I was literally being pulled underwater. And all of a sudden I, I felt the line just circling around my body over and over again, basically like rope tie, hog tie in me. Right. And then this gigantic fucking morbid looking beast of a fish just stops and stares at me. And I can't move. One eye, two eye. No, it looked looked like just a big, giant, like huge, overly massive. Normal, normal fish, but big. Yeah. Almost like a, just a, a, a ridiculously large catfish of some sort. And it just stopped and stared at me as I drowned. And it's looking at me like, you know, just wanted to observe as you died. Yeah. I woke up in a panic. I couldn't breathe. Uh, I had this old bed with this old uh, wooden f- uh, foot rail and I went to reach over because my lamp was actually across the room at the other side of my bed. And when I did, I missed the table with my hand, cracked a fucking rib, fell out Ouch. of bed. And then I, I still couldn't breathe. So I ran into the kitchen and I took some water and splashed it in my mouth. Oh, this had you freaked out. Yeah, probably after almost like literally a minute and a half, two minutes. I'm not shitting you. I'm not being able to catch my breath at all. I finally was able to calm down and catch my breath. But that was the beginning stage of many more incidents like that to come happening to me while I'm sleeping in my dreams. It's just amazing what dreams can do to you, how powerful they are. Oh, absolutely. You can feel physically like you are there and react to it just the same way. We've probably seen a parent or somebody that we're close to sleeping in bed to us, having a nightmare or something and reacting physically to it or crying in their sleep or laughing or something like that, whatever. They're responding to the dream like it's really happening, but yet they're laying there asleep. Yeah. Weird. Yeah, it's pretty amazing shit when you think about it. Yeah. It's so crazy because, um, like, from that point on, I had a lot of dreams that where I died. Um, I, I don't know what the deal was with that. I mean, being that I was so young and, you know, I guess maybe I was starting to, my brain was starting to advance. You know, I was getting into horror films and But I mean, I had one where I was on a ship, man, and I was running and there was nobody on the ship. And then all of a sudden this fucking beastly creature starts chasing me and I end up on the outside of the ship and I'm running, I'm running, running. Before he gets me, I jump off into the ocean and unfortunately fucking drown. And it's not like those things where people are like, have you ever had that dream where you're falling and you wake up right before you hit? I'm not that guy. I've actually had a dream where I fell off a fucking bridge and landed on some rocks at the bottom and it was almost like a camera 
it's almost like a morbid fucking horror film where the camera's just panning around my dead corpse. So you, so you can see all the gore of what happened to yourself. As if I was the guy behind the camera watching myself right. die. Yeah, it's not out of your own eyes. That's odd. Fuck, um, dude. Almost every single time I had one of those dreams. Have you ever had sleep it. paralysis? No, I actually don't think I have. At least That's a phenomenon. I can tell you, you would know if you'd had it because you... It, to my uh, way of recollecting it, when I have had what I would call sleep paralysis, and it's a phenomenon so many other people have experienced it, it, it's, it sounds exactly the same, except certain people see different things. I felt twice totally awake, but completely paralyzed, unable to move. Like I was literally a paraplegic, could not move. All I could do was rotate my eyeballs, call me Stephen Hawking. I can move my eyes around. I can see what's going around in what's going on in the room. If anybody's in there, whatever's going on, the fan may be going, whatever, but I can't move. And I can kind of mumble. Like one time I had somebody next to me and I tried to yell at them and I couldn't do it. I was trying to make noises and I couldn't do it. And I felt like something was holding me down. Very, very weird. And when I finally came to and got out of it, it was a scary feeling. That wasn't the worst. The worst one was one night where I woke up in this same situation as if I was pinned down, couldn't move. Again, I try. I can see everything going on. Can't turn my head. I can move my eyeballs to look around. But it's pitch dark pretty much in the room, just a little bit of moonlight coming in the window enough where I can see a little bit in the room and I'm scared shitless because I can't move. I'm that that's scary enough. I just can't move. I can't move. I can't yell. I can't scream for nobody to help me. And then I see a dark figure in the corner of the room. Hmm. Now, what was it all a dream both times? Because it felt completely real to me. I felt like I had awoken from my sleep. And I can differentiate very well, in my opinion, from a dream and reality. And both of those occasions, I felt completely awake, but incapable of using anything in my faculties, but my eyeballs to look around. I even remember the struggle of like trying to scream, but all that would come out was a murmur. Just, you know, it's just like, I just trying as hard as I could. But those, that was that was the creepiest one I've ever had because there was something there watching me in the dark corner of my room, and that fucking scared the shit out of me. And I couldn't move. I couldn't do anything. So if it would have came over to me or done anything besides stand there looking at me, well, it would have been a way worse dream. So dream or not, I don't know. This could be a phenomenon, sleep paralysis, like so much of it is theory. Like when you get into it, talking about all these geniuses that have looked into dreams, they have lots of thesis, hypothesis on what it is, but it's really hard to draw a concrete conclusion, isn't it? Yeah, well, according to psychologists and neuroscientists, yes, absolutely. It's yeah. It's just kind of one of those things they're still just kind of, even after 150 years, they're still trying to tap into it and they still are just completely perplexed about what's going on with it. Um, you know, there are some things that they're starting to come to realize, but 
the general aspect of how dreams are formed in your brain. There's a lot of theory behind that, but the actual, like when you're talking about uh, sleep paralysis and stuff, no, I mean, they think that it's psychological slash neurological. They're not really saying that it's an actual psychological illness or, uh, I don't even want to say illness, but like a, just a hampering overall. You go in there saying psychological illness. I just want to say one thing is they know so little about the brain that literally people taking psychiatric drugs. I hope you understand the research that they've done on those medications are not fact-based. It's purely anecdotal that they see certain changes in people from taking medications, but they have no idea how they work. They can't prove it. So it's no better than the placebo effect. In fact, they've proved that exercise works as good or better than any um, pill you can take for mental illness. Yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, that's the whole thing. I mean, you may, maybe from your experience, it's very good possibility that it was so real to you. Maybe you were perhaps still asleep. And they just, just your brain just firing off like the capacity of like, holy shit, this is like real life. I'm awake. Um, or there's another possibility is maybe there's an entity that fucking hates you. <laughs> that's what I, That's a very laughable thing to talk about. But in reality, I would give it credence because I don't understand quantum physics and all the different realms that we exist in. I believe our consciousness can exist in different realms, which is what a dream world is. I believe our conscious mind exists in the 3D realm, which we live in. I believe our subconscious that goes off and travels as we sleep may exist in different realms. Maybe the fourth dimension or the fifth dimension. We don't know. Well, I mean, there is that that whole thing where for the last, I mean, you go back to like the 1960s, 1970s, there was actual re- reportings of uh certain people being uh basically taunted by uh entities uh you know the movie entity with oh, yeah. uh, Barbara Hershey so there's so many stories of people having issues of the, these nature well that's based on facts that a woman told and even after she moved out of that location the entity still followed her and it brutally right. raped her so at least be happy that the entity that may or may not have been in your room didn't brutally rape you <laughs> Well, you know, that was when I was younger and lots of me um, getting into my later 20s, I sought out uh, medication for my anxiety issues and stuff like that. You know, uh, maybe that was when my brain was at a higher state where I could actually pick up on different transmissions in the universe where now... I'm so dumbed down and sucked into the system. I would say almost addicted to certain medications that I can't get away from, even though I want to, because that was their plan all along. I know that now they want to get you addicted to the stuff. So you, you're a lifelong um, paycheck for the pharmaceutical industry. Yeah. But there's so many things. If you want to look into this people out there, your pineal gland is supposed to be your third eye, which allows you to transcend what you are experiencing in the physical and be able to experience, pardon me, the spiritual. So everything that I look into that is in our water, our foods, things like that, all these different things that I find out 
it's it's causing calcification of your pineal gland, which is your third eye. So uh, is this an instrumental program where the higher ups know the power of human beings lies in their ability to transcend and have a fully open spiritual eye creativity to be in touch with everything in the universe to a certain degree, because we're in such a limited bandwidth if we just exist in this 3d realm. Cause there's so much more than that. It's proven by quantum um, physics and dynamics. <clears throat> so since we know there's so much more and we know we have a device that could help us pick up on it, us um, having that device kind of shut down and not able to be used. Is that a plot? Is that a ploy? I don't know. But I know by now where I was when I was younger, eh, my pineal glands probably calcified all the way over. I might as well just pull it out and throw in the trash. <laughs> you probably don't have one anymore. Um, yeah, no, I mean, you, you know, it's funny that you, I don't say funny, that's a wrong word, but it, it is, uh, but it is. <laughs> yeah, it's bizarre that, you know, a lot of people don't understand that, but when you start thinking about like, I mean, just in America alone, how many people are taking drugs for psychological, what, you know, and I understand some people, uh, I know that you and I have discussed it at great lengths with your anxiety and stuff. And I've also talked to some other people that I know. Um, that have very similar issues and are on medication for not just anxiety, but other kinds of issues. That, yeah, bipolar, whatever, depression. Yes, it doesn't absolutely. make it. There's so many. PTSD. What, there's so many different names for mental disorders now. Yeah, you know, and uh, me and you shared a friend growing up that, uh, you know, he was diagnosed a manic depressant. And, you know, some of the stuff that they had him taken was just insane like it would fucking zombify him and you know one of the main side effects of lots of these drugs is suicide well and that, unfortunately That's exactly the opposite of what you're trying to do you're trying to make your life more bearable and some of them end up making you want to kill yourself which is unfortunately what happened to him um, yes i know sad loss and uh you know but the thing is is he would self-medicate uh by smoking tons of pot and um, when he was my roommate for a long time, that was the thing is like, that's how I knew that he would, he would be normal. He would smoke a massive amount of weed and just act normal, like a normal human being. Not you know, like one yeah, of those guys you like think, oh my God, he just smoked like a fucking huge bowl. And he's like, you know, right, it's it like brought him down to our normal level of existence yes. and most everybody else. But see, maybe that's the thing is like, some people are so hypersensitive and maybe they have this sensitivity to um, different degrees of perception beyond the bandwidth of your, say, regular person that they're overwhelmed, which maybe that's what was my problem when I was younger. I was overwhelmed by my sensitivity to everything. So I wanted to dumb it down. I wanted to neutralize it so I could just exist without this hypersensitivity, which is maybe that was Tommy's issue, but maybe that's a blessing and we don't understand it. Right. Could be. I don't know. That's very, it's uh, yeah. kind I of mean, one maybe. of those things that you wish now that if you had the information you have now as a human being, go back 20 years and apply it to that person you used to be, it would be I'd a totally done, different ballgame. Yes. Yes. I, you just spoke the absolute truth. I'd do everything different. If I only knew, I didn't yeah. know all this information that the wisdom I picked up throughout the years, I can only share it now and tell people, hopefully if you are young or if you are getting into taking certain 
um, medications for mental issues, you tread very carefully and do it maybe just long enough to help you out, but do not do it long-term because you will become addicted to it. And there will be severe side effects if you try to come off and like with benzodiazepines and alcohol, those are the two that, you know, if you're a severe addict and it's bad enough and you try and get off of it, cold Turkey, you can die from it because it affects your central nervous system. And it'll just basically, it'll shut you down or you'll have a tremor or a heart attack or something like that. So, you know, Tommy was probably happy when he was in the dream world, but in the, when he's in the real world, this is a guy that killed himself, our good friend. Um, you know, maybe in dream world, he was at peace, but when he came back to the real world, it was a nightmare for him. Yeah. Yeah. It's so weird because when you think about like somebody like him and his demeanor, and I would say I probably, uh, uh being as close of a friend as he was to me, and especially the times that we, you know, he was living with me. He could go for a, like just do a complete 180, but he normally, generally, he was just the most kind-hearted, soft demeanor type person. But then he, he yeah. would have those those moments where he just would flip out, start punching it. shit, punching people, like just. To get, and he's no, a little you're, guy, you're, and you're, you're think, totally correct. Yes, yeah, it, it, that's where somebody would classify him as a bipolar because he could switch. Like, like literally like a light switch, you could flip it and he'd go from being a sweetheart to going psychopathic just instantaneously mania, just total mania. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I think that kind of made it worse for him whenever he actually received that diagnosis as a manic depressant. He just, he was really bothered by it. And I talked to him at great lengths at times whenever he was down and tried to be the best friend I could and cheer him up, man. And. I'll obviously get him stoned so he'd be normal, but um, he was just one of those guys, you know, it's like one of those things like, man, he's just such an incredible human being. If he could just get past this. I agree. He's one of the best human beings I ever knew. So I don't have anything bad to say about him, even through his uh, rough spots. I still loved him to death. I thought he was just a superb person. I wish he was still here. Absolutely. It's, 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 that's another thing too, is getting into the medical system. It's you get a diagnosis, you get a tag put on you. Kind of like when you go through school and somebody tags you as you're the nerd or you're the jock. Tags are not good. You don't need to identify with I'm a depressed person or I, I, I have depression. I have anxiety. It's something you're dealing with. It doesn't have to be like a lifelong fight. Like you identify with it as if it's part of you. That's, yeah. a bad, that's a bad thing. The medical system tries to get you to do is identify that it's part of you and you have to live with it and it'll be with you your whole life. They want you to identify with it that way. Yeah. So we're getting off the, the whole thing of dreams. I know that, but. No, uh, it's, it's good. Um, that's the whole thing is people need to understand. Like if you're going to, you know, I think for some people, there's not like a lot of hope whenever they get to that point with depression and stuff. You know, the SSRI list that they have today it is so fucking long. I mean, literally riddled. You're talking uh, uh, here in America alone. I think it's somewhere like around $120 billion a year in SSRIs distributed and, and and as i said if anybody will do some serious research into this besides looking into the pharmaceutical companies and what they say 
you'll find out that the research is they literally are experimenting on people. Uh, they, mani- they manipulate the scientific data and studies and pay off whoever they have to in the FDA or whatever other place they have to, to get it approved, showing that it shows favorable results. When literally there has been scientists that have proven that in many cases, exercise will make people have better results than taking these SSRIs and other compounds. And then it also above and beyond that, another thing doctors don't talk about is homeopathy, like including nutrition. A lot of times diets cause not only bad mental disorders, but they can make you have bad dreams. Absolutely. So in, I guess, retrospect here. um, So while everyone dreams, the content of those dreams and their effects on sleep can vary dramatically, as we've been discussing. Yes. uh, From person to person. Everybody's different. Uh, Even though there's no simple explanation for the meaning and purpose of dreams, it's helpful to understand the basics of dreams, the potential impact of nightmares and steps that you can take to sleep better with sweet dreams. I think that's sweet by saying that. Hopeful, anyhow. Yeah. Um, you know, the thing is, though, like, people need to understand also that, uh, and I've, I've known people that actually have had night terrors. Yes. I've known people that have had children that were dealing with night terrors. Um, yeah. So, yeah, no kidding. And I think it affects everyone differently. Like I said, I had some little bit of panic attacks. The thing is, though, is now that I'm older, uh, some of the when I have dreams, they're usually apocalyptic, um, basically into the world type dreams where I'm like either the Uh, guy that's taking it. You're Nostradamus, Danny. I think you're seeing the future. I, You know, maybe so. I mean, but this has been going on for, you know, probably a decade or more. And so the thing is, and it doesn't happen all the time, you know, maybe once a month, once every couple of months, I, ha- I have one that's like so vivid and real. I feel as though I'm there and literally I could turn it into a fucking movie. That's how good my dreams are sometimes. But I don't look at them as bad dreams. God, I wish you would write out your damn dreams because sometimes you tell me them and I'm like, that would be like box office buster if you wrote that. Right. Maybe someday I'll I'll get around to doing that. Um, but yeah, that's the whole thing is like, it's, it's different for everyone and nobody can really pinpoint or know why one person may have a certain type of dream while another person may not ever remember their dreams. But that's, that's, I say a majority of people don't remember their dreams, like give them within 10 to 15 minutes of waking up. They might be able to have a little bit of recall within the first five to 10 minutes, but above and beyond that, once cognition takes over and they've made it to the coffee pot or to take a piss or whatever, they start forgetting. And then all of a sudden it's gone. Yeah. And that's the whole thing is people don't realize too, is that when your memory actually does catch on to that and you can recall that it's kind of fascinating because we could have hundreds, if not thousands, tens of thousands of dream sequences throughout the night and just a single night. Um, And you don't even hit, once you hit REM, that's the whole thing with your REM sleep. It may not even be the full length of your actual sleep destination over an eight hour period. REM is usually between one and three hours for most people. So that's what I'm saying. So, I mean, can, can you really imagine how many 
thoughts, images processing through your brain just instantaneously over and over again, like lightning firing off in your brain. It's just amazing shit. And nobody knows why it happens or how we can determine why it happens. So I find it fascinating. It's just Well, you look at one thing, whether this means anything or not, just to, as a thought exercise, I like to do these things. You go to sleep at night to regenerate. Your body needs to regenerate. You regenerate cells, hormones, everything shuts down in your body except for the processes that need to be operational, like breathing, your heartbeat, um, you know, uh, your red blood cells moving, white blood cells taking care of things that are in the wrong place, may cause you issues, whatever, sicknesses, germs, bacteria, whatever. So there's certain bodily functions that need to take place, but for the most part, your body's cruising on 100% during the day when you're going, living your life. At night, I'm sure your body cuts it down to about 5-10%, hopefully, so it can really go into, you know, put work into the things that it needs to, regenerating. It's, It's all about cell regeneration, replenishing, um, and consolidation of memory is a big thing you do during your dreams too. The day's happenings all get solidified and filed away as memories in the right spot of your brain during sleep. That's another portion of it. But then we have these dreams and why that's the one thing. I mean, out of all the stuff I named, there's a purpose for all that. And we understand that, but we don't understand why there's a dream. Why is there dreams? Does that serve a purpose? Does that do something good for us? I don't know. You know, the funny thing is, is that some, you know, I don't know if you've ever had this happen to you before where you have a random dream, you actually remember it. And the people that are in your dream may or may not even be anybody, you know, but say like there was this one day, I swear I I had this dream. I was at the gas station and this guy that was at the gas station pumping gas. I was looking at him. It could come to find out later on in my dream, this guy ended up being a fucking serial killer. What was weird was, is I recalled seeing that person at the gas station a day earlier and he was in my fucking dream. I'd never seen him before in my life until I saw him that day at the gas station. But it was like almost, almost exactly what happened, except for the part that led into me finding out later he was a serial killer, which is not true. Um, at least I didn't hear anything on the news. So hopefully he's not a serial killer. Well, he may be like Gacy. It may take years for them to find all the bodies he buried. You never know. You could have had a call into a higher power intuition, the Akashic records. Like I'm saying, I mean, we are a receiver. Our meat sack, body, brain, consciousness is all a receiver. And I think the cleaner you live your life, the less calcified your pineal gland is, the more you're in touch with picking up on these things of information that may be universal knowledge that's floating through the ether, or maybe uh, different entities may be able to make you aware of. And maybe you got a little insider information there during that dream. And it's maybe it's absolutely true, but you don't know because you can't track the guy down and go find out if he's got bodies buried in his cellar or whatever, you know? So he had, he had a white van that was uh, a flower delivery van. Perfect for murdering little kids. I know. I didn't want to say the name of the business just to implicate some poor guy who's just trying to do his fucking job. Because it could be completely wrong. 
Yeah, I want to see. Yeah, if you had started having these premonitions, dreams that oh shit, I saw that girl in my dream. I saw that dude in my dream. This is what they were involved in. And me and you started researching and looking into it and snooping around, and we started finding out. Oh my god, your dream is real. We started digging into the stuff and finding more out about the person. You're getting downloads during your dream about stuff that's real. Then I would be fucking freaked out. Yeah. And as bad as that dream was, man, people would not want my dreams to be real because they'd all fucking be dead. That's literally, I mean, I'm not shitting you like like apocalyptic type dreams, man, where like 99% of the earth fucking dies. And, and that's I'm probably like, a happy dream for you because it's probably you skipping around and the world's free to free of people and nobody to bother you. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> I, I probably even spare a few more. I probably less, I probably like less than 1% of the population. So <laughs> that, that would work out for me in my favor. But, uh, ah, yes. Anyhow. So what are dreams? Dreams are images, thoughts, or feelings that occur during sleep. Visual imagery, imagery, can't even talk today, is the most common, but dreams can involve other senses. Some people dream in color while others dream in black and white, and people who are blind tend to have more dream components related to sound, taste, and smell. Now, studies have revealed diverse types of dream content, but some typical characteristics of dreaming include it has first-person perspective, it is involuntary, the content may be illogical or even incoherent, the content includes other people who interact with the dreamer and uh, one another, it provokes Mm -hmm. strong emotions, Mm. Elements of walking life or elements of waking life are incorporated into content. Although Mm -hmm. these features are not universal, they are found at least to some extent in most normal dreams. And what do you think about that with the blind people actually having, um, and I don't think it's, it occurs absolutely with every single human being. Um, but they're saying that like with blind people, they can actually have other senses. You got to think being blind, you know, you may have limited. Well, what? Yeah. I mean, what do they have to relate to in a dream as far as seeing? I'm sure they have an imagination, which all human beings do. So they can imagine if they've been blind from birth, they don't even know, but what they feel like. Exactly. So they make up an image in their mind, kind of what they look like and what their dad and mom look like or their brother and sister. So I guess they can have an imaginary dream of visual context of what certain things look like. But probably what stands out to them more are the characteristics they've honed in on, which are smell and hearing. So those probably are more pronounced and stand out more in their dreams. Would make sense to me. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of neat when you think about it. I think I recall, I don't remember if it's sketch artist or what it was. There was a movie about a woman who was blind and through her dreams, she could sense, I guess because she had had brush a brush previously with a serial killer. And in her dream, she could remember that the smell of the person and she was trying to describe to the detective that was in the story what the person smelled like, what he sounded like, and because she had no visual 
Like, is this a movie? Yeah, there was a movie. Jen, I don't remember. Jennifer 8? No, I don't think it was. It could have been, man. I don't remember. I've seen so Uma, many Uma of them. Thurman, Uma Thurman was a blind woman that was in Jennifer 8, and Andy Garcia was a detective, and the killer was after her. Sounds like that. Yeah, there's a bunch old, of them they did. Movie. Like Blink with Madeline Stowe. That was another one with Aiden Quinn. Yeah, there's a bunch yeah. of them, but... I don't recall exactly which uh, one I'm, I'm pulling from, but that, I just thought, I think that's kind of fascinating when you think about it. Their people's uh, uh, senses, uh, especially people who are blind, are so heightened um, that they can actually transfer that to their actual dream state. That's pretty cool. It's the adaptive nature of human beings. That's what one of the things I believe that all biological creatures share is we are very adaptive, and human beings, especially, are at the top of the heap, I think. Yeah, it's very fascinating stuff. So why do we dream? That's a good question, huh? Debate That's continues. what I was wondering. Yeah, so debate continues among sleep experts about why we dream. Dream theories, keep in mind that's the key word, theories about Gotta the be. purpose of dreaming include, well, here are a list of what they want to kind of throw at you as far as theories, like building memory which is dreaming has been associated with consolidation of memory. Which Remember suggests, what I said. Yeah, which suggests that dreaming may serve an important con- cognitive function of strengthening memory and inform- uh, information recall. So, Information recall, yeah. So you're looking for, you're, you're taking stuff from the day and you're finding places to put it in your brain, store it away and have it on recall whenever you need it. Dreams are saying are associated with that. Well, that's just one theory building memory. Not all experts believe that that's just from. It's generally accepted that sleep is where that happens. Right. Now I've never heard somebody say dream has a part to do with it. Well, there's neuroscientists that disagree and say that it has nothing to do with it, but either one can be right. Right. (laughs) So processing emotion, the ability to engage with and rehearse feelings in different imagined contexts may be part of the brain's method for managing emotions. Kind of strange, but you know, again, it's just a theory that maybe that's, part of why we dream maybe it's taking emotional content putting it into your dream maybe it's a way for you to something your subconscious somehow to deal with it i don't know it's kind of strange so another well theory. I'll, I'll, I'll keep this quick but i'll throw you in something when i was younger i was small like tommy and me and him both got bullied and tossed around and beat on and had to run from lots of people so to this day, I still have reoccurring dreams where no matter how much bigger or badder I am than whoever it is in my dream that challenges me, no matter how hard I hit them with my fist or kick them or hit them with a bat, I am powerless. I can never hurt anybody in a dream. I never have been able to. Oh, man. And that has to stem from the power of me feeling helpless as a kid. I could never hurt anybody. Very well I, would, I, I, I would try and hit big, big bullies that were you know, four and five years older than me or some shit. And they would just pick me up and throw me like I was a fucking pebble across, you know, a fucking field or something. You know, I'm exaggerating, but they, they would hit me or something. I'm, I'm done. I'm on the ground or they'd pick me up and throw me and I would go flying. And I felt 
completely powerless. I could never protect myself. So I got used to just running. Wow. I once had a dream where I hit some guy and got him down on the ground and I turned his head into meat sauce. That I was wish fun. I had those dreams. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It looked like I had literally somebody had like thrown fucking spaghetti sauce all over me when I was done bashing his fucking brains in. Well, you probably good. done something like that. Not to that degree. I'm not saying. I'm not saying you made like a ragu spaghetti sauce out of somebody's head, but you've probably beat the shit out of some people. Which I mean, I've had a couple of occasions where I had a fight, and it was a fair fight. It was somebody that was my size, and yeah, I came out on top. So, but for the majority of my youth, I was so used to being picked on by bigger kids in Burleson that were dickheads that just wanted to beat the shit out of somebody small that looked different with long hair, like me and Tommy were, that it was a regular thing. I had to deal with either get your ass kicked or run almost every single day. So I think I developed some kind of trauma from that that replays in my dreams. Yeah. Now, now I know I'm big enough to take care of myself, but in my dreams, I can never beat up anybody. I don't care who they are or what they are or what I have. It doesn't matter if I got a gun or a baseball bat or anything. I cannot defeat anybody I'm up against in my dream. And that's got to be some kind of trauma replaying in my brain. Very, very well could be for sure. Because I've woke up from plenty of those dreams and thought that's fucked up. I've had that dream so many times that I never, ever win. I never, ever can do anything. I'm helpless. Well, yep. And that's, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of people with a similar story, you know, and it, it, I'm sure it's something deep psychological that dates back all the way to your teen years or childhood. And, you know, they say that with uh, like a lot of, uh, uh, you know, PTSD people, uh, people that have a lot of childhood trauma, relive the stuff over and over again throughout their lives. So. Your brain is growing at its fastest during those formative years. You know, when you're from a baby to about like 12 years old, that's the biggest brain growth that you'll have. And so much of what you're going to grow up and be like is determined from what you observe, deal with, you know, presets that you set as standards in your brain during those years. And unfortunately, through those years of my life, I was always dealing with bullshit. Always being picked on. Well, well, you probably don't have any uh, worries now in real life. So, <laughs> yeah, of course I don't now. That's one of the reasons I got into picking up weights and shifts. So if anybody ever tried to touch me again, I would fucking snap them in half. So yeah. now I don't have that to worry about anymore. That's right. Don't fuck with Jay Scott. He'll maim you. Yes. Now that's that. It's not even an issue, and I I don't want to do it anyways. But if I dare ran into any idiots that walked up to me and did the shit to me when I was younger. Anybody acted like that to me now, I'd give them maybe a chance or two to walk away. But after that, dare lay a hand on me or do anything stupid. You're fucked. <laughs> yeah. Good. That's, that's good advice for people out there. So, uh, another theory is uh portion theory of this is mental housekeeping periods of dreaming could be the brain's way of straightening up. Cleaning away partial, erroneous, and unnecessary information. What do you I think can about believe that. that. Yeah. I can believe that because this is another thing our brain is. Uh, it's not just uh, 
device for recognizing and paying attention to everything. It is a device to selectively hone in and take in specific information and block other things out. So people don't realize that your brain could not possibly take in all the information, all the smells, taste, touch, people doing different things, planes flying through the air, insects doing this, birds, whatever, dogs running around. If your brain paid attention to everything, you would go fucking insane. You would literally go crazy. So, so your brain is very selective, almost a deletion device. It pays attention to what's important. It's what it tries to do. So it's selective about where it guides your focus. And you're in control of that for the most part. Some people have less control than others. But then maybe then during your dreams, there's even more solidification being done. Your brain goes, okay. We did a pretty good job, but we can trim this almost like an editor does for a movie. There's a little, there's some bad cuts here and there, and we need to get rid of those. So we get rid of those and just keep the good stuff that we really need to. Maybe it does that during dreaming. I think so. I I think to a certain degree it has to, but because people look at it from whenever they go to sleep, they're thinking, okay, my physical being has to lay down, go to sleep so I can feel well rested, well recovered in the morning. But they don't think about the mental aspect of benefits from dreams. The thing is, is your brain is, it's so fucking connected to everything in your body. And if you are going to go to, go to sleep at night, imagine just how you feel physically when you wake up and you're a little refreshed, you're not sore as you were the day before, say you had a hard day at work, whatever, or, you know, hit some weights and uh, maybe overtrained a little bit. And you feel like you've recovered already a lot from that physically, but you don't realize how much work your brain is doing to recover overnight. It's, it's your brain's like sucks up more calories than your muscles do in all reality. Oh yeah. Your brain is the most calorie dependent organ in your whole body honestly if anybody wants to look that up your brain especially in during intense activity like if you're really paying attention hard or focusing on something whether it be a physical activity or it being a academic activity your brain sucks up calories big time which why lots of people don't realize they like to munch when they're studying and stuff like that yeah, and they, I think it was somewhere around, they said like the average human, when they're just in a wake state uh, throughout the day, can have an average of around a random 60,000 thoughts literally throughout oh, the day. Yes, that's that's the rule of thumb that I've heard is 60,000 thoughts a day is what most people have, and most of them are negative. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and the thing is, is you got to think about people that have like... Uh, some combatants to go along with uh, struggling everyday life, people with ADD or ADHD um, that constantly are randomly thinking. Um, right. Uh, like pinpoint, like focusing and staying honed in on something without their focus veering off somewhere else and driving them insane. You, you would know, think that they're, that, that's annoying. You would think that they would have a lot more thoughts because of the way their brain is designed. You would think that they would think they actually think less, which is strange. Um, mainly because I think they get so focused on something that draws their attention. They could just literally, like you've seen it with kids doing an exam and all of a sudden you see a kid staring up to the right. He's accessing that, that uh, part of his brain. 
And now, this is interesting you're bringing that up. Yes, and it's, it's yeah. looking know. different directions, accesses different portions of the brain, and lots of CIA and FBI people know this because it is a science, and they can tell when they're interviewing and talking to people what they're doing by the way their eyes and their body language is. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, there's like they can tell, like if you're telling a lie, they can tell – if you're trying to access certain parts of the brain by looking up to the left or looking up to the right, they can literally tell if it you're all means for the truth. Different. Yeah, it yeah. all means something different. It's phenomenal. It's amazingly true, but yes, yes, you're absolutely right. So let's move on to the next one. What about instant replay? So dream content may be a form of distorted instant replay in which recent events are reviewed and analyzed. So that's basically saying throughout your day, all the information you gather, possibly you go to sleep and your brain is analyzing that information. But the instant replay thing, there are scientists that denounce it. And when I say scientists, I'm not saying psychologists. So a lot of psychologists will tell you that, yes, you know, obviously when you have a a particular dream, it could just be bits and pieces of information you've already collected throughout your day, so on and so forth. But there's not, not everybody believes that there are neuroscientists that think it has literally absolutely nothing to do with why you dream. So I'll just, it's a random event, which I can't say one or another. I mean, I really, I, all, all I can do is throw out conjecture and a hypothesis of my own, just like everybody else, the scientists, psychologists, have degrees, a piece of paper that says their ideas are more worthy than mine. But nonetheless, I think we all have an idea what we think dreams serve a purpose for. And probably I would guess if you could run a poll, most people think dreams are meaningless. Well, like here's just, the thing. You just have them. Here's the thing. You could uh, take a guy who has a doctorate in psychology who specializes in dream interpretation and then ask a five-year-old the exact same question, and guess what? They're going to both have the same idea. They could have the different as difference of opinions, but they're basically going to know exactly the same amount. They don't know. They have no fucking clue. They That's just an literally interesting don't. way of putting it. <laughs> now, obviously, the five-year-old ain't going to have the the uh, the dialect fully understanding of it. But yeah. They're going to, you know what, it, they, it's just saying that nobody knows. Um, so the last one on the list is incidental brain activity. This view holds that dreaming is just a byproduct of sleep that has no essential purpose or meaning, which is kind of what we were, we just, were just saying. We were just talking about, yeah. So, you know, experts in the fields of neuroscience and psychology continue to conduct experiments experiments to discover what is happening in the brain during sleep, even but even with ongoing research, it may be impossible to conclusively prove any theory for why we dream at all. And that's basically what I've been saying the whole time. Nobody has a clue. There's people that will tell you they think they know, but in the end, uh, even if you were Sigmund Freud, you know, he had his uh, long-lasting theories about dreams and why people do it. Um, to these right. modern neuroscientists who are doing crossover with psychologists to find out more about why we dream, but nobody has definitive answers. 
so that's what makes it so fascinating. Um, I guess we can move on to when do we dream? Uh, on average, most people dream for around two hours per night. That's that falls in that falls in line with REM because it's you, most people's REM is between one and three hours. Right. So dreaming is you it's usually the in during the REM state is where you go deep. That's your deepest state of sleep, which is where the dreams happen. Right. So basically dreaming can happen during any stage of sleep, but dreams are the most prolific and intense during the rapid eye movement, which is REM stage. Uh, during REM sleep stage, brain activity ramps up considerably compared to the non-REM stages, which helps explain the distinct types of dreaming during these stages. Dreaming during REM sleep are typically more vivid, fantastical, and or bizarre, even though they may involve elements of uh, waking life. Um, By contrast, non-REM dreams tend to involve more coherent content that involve thoughts or memories grounded to a specific time or place. So it's basically once you hit that REM state, all bets are off. (laughs) You're in the the future seeing the fucking world coming to an end like I do. Right, Twilight Zone time. (laughs) It's not kind of one of those things like, oh, man, you know, I just uh, I fell asleep and I don't know. I just had this dream about me taking a shit. Oh, wait, maybe I was like 10 minutes ago. And then you fucking really hit the sleep and you're like waking up the next morning going. I got to look outside to make sure the fucking world didn't come to an end. <laughs> so, yeah, I get it. Some, man. some dreams are so real that, yeah, you when you wake up, it's uh if you have that recall of your dream, you almost have to check certain things because you felt like it was so real. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. So many times I woke up and in, in, in like a startling manner that I'm like, Holy shit. I can't wait to tell somebody about that. You know, just, just insane. So. Yeah, you shared a couple of your dreams with me and they've been really cool. Yeah. It's usually very dystopian, very much sci-fi or horror-based, but always, like, really cool stories, and your mind's just inventing it while you're laying there sleeping, which is so cool to me. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's... uh, I think you got, like, the Stephen King gift or something, or you may be James Cameron or something, who knows? Right, yeah, Stephen King often claimed early in his early uh, years of writing... Uh, some of his earlier novels that that's how he got his ideas from him is through his dreams. Um, which Another I mean, thing, he, all of his best books were written when he was drinking and smoking too. That's true. Once he, once he, once he quit, it's all went downhill. Yeah. I think, I think once he got right around the, uh, talisman with, uh, he co-wrote that with Peter Straub. I think he kind of lost his edge after that, but, uh, no offense to people out there who I know offense to Stephen King. He's still a good writer, but I just dude, he's up. one of the best of all time. I ain't saying yeah. shit against him. I can't touch that motherfucker with a hundred foot pole. I can't yeah. write shit compared to him. He's I, awesome. I just wish he would uh, lay off the remakes of his own films. <laughs> yeah, they're absolutely terrible. Um, anyhow, do dreams have meaning? So how to interpret dreams and whether they have meaning at all. And because there's a service out there. There's like people that do this, like interpret dreams for a living. And there's books on interpreting your dreams. 
Oh, absolutely. And it's, it's stirred up considerable controversy because of it. Um, while some psychologists have argued that dreams provide insight into a person's psyche or everyday life, others find their content to be inconsistent and bewildering to reliable delivery meaning. So, again, like I said, there's going to be more psychologists that will tell you that they do have meaning and purpose, whereas there's a lot more neuroscientists that disagree. Now, I'm not saying that they are the same on both sides because there are some neuroscientists that, you know, they, they do side with psychologists and say, you know what, there is more to it. We just don't understand it. So right. that's just kind of one of those things. It's like in time, perhaps there will be a few more answers, but ultimately I don't think we'll ever understand fully because I don't think it's one of those things that was meant to be understood. Um, yeah. I mentioned a crazy thing to you before we started this, just to bring it up. If people want to look into this, there is somebody in Japan that is saying they can now record dreams. Now, this is not full vivid detail like they can sit there and watch a movie, but they are getting traces of whatever's going on in the mind to where they can actually pick up on what you are experiencing, seeing um, and doing in the dream state. So how they're doing that, I don't know. Uh, Rogan brought it up recently and they dived into the research a little bit on it. And then another just really strange one, not to derail you completely, Danny McDonald's is talking about whenever this, uh, ability comes available, they want to be able to advertise in your sleep into your dreams. They want you to see McNuggets jumping over the fence instead of sheep. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Fucking McNuggets and uh, crispy uh, fucking pieces of cardboard french fries. I swear to God, if they show up in my sleep, I'm beating the shit out of Ronald and the, the what is it, the burglar? Yeah. Hamburglar? <laughs> the hamb- hamburglar and Ronald McDonald are going to get an ass whooping for me. <laughs> yeah. He started literally fucking sue their ass for fucking causing nightmares i mean could that be any more of an invasion of your privacy if somebody can advertise in your dreams man oh look hell all hell the future yeah Um, just this this is stuff people can search i'm not making it up it's like reality it's being talked about the uh there are scientists that are claiming they can uh, uh record some aspect of people's dreams in japan now so the it's Definitely technology that's moving forward, and I don't want McDonald's involved in any of this dream business. You know, Ronald McDonald, man, he's pretty close <laughs> to like a he's pretty close to a clown. I was just thinking, man, my wife fucking hates clowns, dude. Like, you start having like Ronald Donald in her dreams, she's probably gonna have a heart attack in her fucking. Sleep. Oh yeah, well he probably wouldn't show up as Ronald McDonald. It'd be like it. Yeah, it'd be like Pennywise, fucking Ronald Penny, McDonald, Pennywise. <laughs> and Pennywise with a fucking. Uh, what is it? A quarter big, pounder? Big, big, big Mac. A big he'd have Mac a big, is that what it is? Yeah, he'd have a Big Mac with razor blades in it. Oh, uh, yeah. Fucking McDonald's. Take a bite. Here, have a balloon with it. <laughs> <laughs> you little fucker. Wow. <laughs> um, so, what are types of dreams? Uh, dreams can take many different forms, actually. Let's see. There's lucid dreams, which occur when a person is in a dream while being actively aware that they are dreaming. How fucking I love that? that when you wake up in the morning 
you notice you're still in your dream, but you're not all the way awake. You're still somewhat in that brain state because, you know, there's the theta, beta, gamma, alpha, all these different states you can be in that are different frequencies of your brain. So when you just get your consciousness on board with your subconscious and then bam, you can take control of your dream. That's an experience I think everybody's had and that's fun. Then you can take off flying, beat the shit out of whoever you want to go rob a bank, uh, whatever, you know, I can definitely say, you know, I've, I've definitely had those instances with daydreaming. Um, Daydreaming is different. Yeah. Sometimes it's not as realistic. Yeah, I know. It's just being that thought process that you won the fucking lottery and you basically told everybody to go fuck themselves and then you bought a private island and moved away and told everybody to fuck themselves. Daydreaming is like, hey, you know, you're working your nine to five shitty job. You got a lunch break. You go outside and you're kicking it on the bench, eating, smoking a cigarette, and you lean your head back and kind of nod your eyes off and start daydreaming about something that you like or something that you want or that that's daydreaming to me. And you're, you're kind of lost in the moment, but you're still coherent enough to hear everything going on around you. If somebody says your name or whatever. Kind of makes you wonder if like people with ADD or ADHD, whenever they get into that, uh, position if they're actually how coherent they are um, that's also another mystery that basically we just pump them full of drugs and tell them they'll be okay but ultimately like hey here's some Adderall take that you'll be alright but ultimately the, they don't know the, yeah the solution for everything I'll just tell folks out there right now it's not drugs if it's the easy way to take care of things, it's not the solution because you're not looking at what the root problem is. The root problem of my anxiety is something based on some trauma I had in the past. So a doctor prescribed me Xanax when I was around 25 and here I am 43 and I'm still on it and I can't get rid of the shit. It's yeah. like it's, it's just become part of me. If I try to quit it, I literally have withdrawals. You don't want that. You don't. Adderall does the same thing. You're going to have withdrawals from Adderall. If you get your kid, don't get your kid hooked on that shit. Find out what it is you can do to naturally help them focus. I encourage all people that are interested in neurology, please look up Andrew Huberman's podcast. Yes. He goes in depth on everything you could possibly want for tools on Focus, ADD, anxiety, any neurological aspects you want to cover and more, sleep, anything. He is the one of the lead scientists over at Stanford, and he gives free information out, two, three-hour podcasts on specific subjects like what me and Danny are talking about from a scientist giving you the best information in the world. Go to Andrew Huberman's podcast if you need to learn how to do stuff naturally, and he'll tell you what drugs are good for and what they're bad for. And he will always recommend you do find out what the supplemental um, uh, equivalent is of whatever drug it is that you're using to do it the right way. Get to the root of the problem. Don't take the easy way out. Yes, like basically half of America. Um, Yeah. That's true. So another type of uh, dream would be vivid dreams, which involve especially realistic or clear dream content. 
bad dreams are composed of bothersome and distressing content. Reoccurring dreams involve the same imaginary repeating in multiple uh, in multiple dreams over time. So even that's with like that's like the reoccurring scenario of me always getting into a fight with somebody and I never can hurt them. So I end up having to run away because I hit him as hard as I can. I got a bat. I hit him over the head and they're just like laughing at me. So I end up having to run away. Reoccurring dream my whole life. It's, it's happened. Oh yeah. So even with normal dreams, there are certain types of content that are especially identical, identifiable. Damn man. I'm having some trouble today. (laughs) Uh, I need my Adderall. Adderall. (laughs) Uh, Among the most recognizable and common themes in dreams are like flying, falling, being chased, or being unable to find a bathroom. Hmm. So kind of like some of the stuff you were talking about, you know, always having to run away or you can't defeat your... Yeah, I'm one of the ones on the list there. Another one I've heard of is being naked in public. Very embarrassing. Lots of people experience this dream of being naked and they're not in public. Yeah. That's weird to me. I mean, I don't know if that's like a, like a, I guess a fear of maybe like a self-conscious fear of who they are. I'm not really sure what that would go under, but I mean, I would honestly look at it as more of a kind of one of those things. Like if I was naked in public, I would just be like, Hey, what's up? It's, you know? it's, it's not a problem for you. Some people it is. Okay. Yeah. It's, some people would be hugely humiliating. That's not your issue. So we each individually got our own little thing that may traumatize us or we're scared of, and that could show up in a dream. Yeah, that's true. And I guess it would honestly depend on the situation. Um, you know, I wouldn't want to be like naked in front of like uh, Mother Mary with a whole shitload of school children on a field trip or something that I could see being very uh, uh, fucked up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you probably wouldn't be so cool about it then. No, absolutely not. I'd be uh, trying to find the nearest bush to jump in. Right. Um, You're loving the podcast, right? Great. So you can help out, support me for a dollar a month, up to ten dollars a month. Yes, there's a subscribe button down at the bottom if you look in the description. Also, I'm going to include my Venmo if you want to do a one-time tip. So if you would, it'll help keep me going. If you can't do it, don't worry. Free information is still going to be coming. So stay tuned and know I appreciate each and every one of you out there. Now, back to the show. What are nightmares? Uh, In sleep medicine, a nightmare is a bad dream that causes a person to wake up from sleep. This definition is distinct from common usage uh, that may refer to any threatening, scary, or bothersome dream as a nightmare. While bad dreams are normal and usually begin, frequent nightmares may interfere with a person's sleep and cause impaired thinking and mood during the daytime. Hmm. Well, yeah, maybe. So it, this is like Freddy Krueger coming to pay you a visit? I don't know. I guess basically what they're trying to say is that if you have a bad enough dream that maybe it might affect you throughout the day psychologically. Well, if it startles you enough to wake you up, then that's pretty bad. Hmm. It's interesting though, because do dreams affect sleep? 
That's the next question. In most cases, I would say yes. Well, in most cases, dreams don't affect sleep. Dreaming is part of healthy sleep and is generally considered to be completely normal and without any negative effects on sleep. Now, nightmares are the exception. Because nightmares involve awakingness, right? There um, you go. They can become problematic if they occur frequently. Well, like we said, we talked about. I knew some people that uh, dealt with children that had night terrors, and in fact, I knew one adult that actually had night terrors. So yeah, that can't be good. Oh hell no! Being, you know, I mean, imagine once you get to a REM sleep and you're actually, you know, your body's resting, recovering, and then bam, all of a sudden, some fucking. You know, and some people can't get back to sleep after they have a terrible nightmare. So, right. Me, I'm like one of those people. I'll just roll over on a pillow like I'm on a cloud. You know, it doesn't bother me, but I guess it just depends on, I guess everybody is built psychologically different. So, some um, people rarely ever have nightmares. Some people have them on a regular basis. That's where, I mean, you can draw a line in the sand and go, okay, there's a big difference between somebody that has regular nightmares and then one, a person has one like once every six months. That's hugely different because if your sleep cycles are broken up from you waking up, that's horrible for you. Um, Not getting REM sleep is not good for you. Your body cannot fully recuperate, regenerate cells, hormones, all sorts of things that you need to get fully rested. Your immune system suppressed. All these kind of things matter if you don't get the regular sleep cycle. So that's uh, one of the reasons why sleeping and getting into deep sleep and REM sleep is very important. So if you're having nightmares that interrupt the cycle, I say, got to find someone to fix this. What is the cause? What's, what's the reason? If there's anybody that can help you figure it out, then you need to. That brings up a very valid question, and, and I don't think they really touch on it any any bit at all. But I will say that if somebody's having constant reoccurring, not necessarily reoccurring, but just constant nightmares over and over again, it kind of makes you wonder, is that person, you know, uh, experiencing a great deal of fear in their life or uh, what's causing that trauma? To, for them to constantly be bothered in their dreams by terrible waking nightmares. That's something scientists don't understand. Um, at least they, they don't really speak on it a whole lot. They, you know, I'm sure there are some theories out there, but ultimately I would think if it were me, I would think it would have something to do with the lifestyle that person carries. Maybe they're in a great deal of fear. Maybe they have something traumatic going on in life. I don't know. It's, There's it's a, very interesting. Uh, I'll say one thing interesting. It's not like this guy is a uh, scientist that explicitly studies dreams, but Gabor Mate says the body keeping the score, keeping the traumas, keeping them embedded in you can cause diseases, all sorts of things. This is what he relates in his book. And I think the guy's a genius. And he talks about lots of ways to get rid of the traumas and get the score settled so that your body can be back to a settled, relaxed state. So you don't live in this fashion anymore. So that might be an option for anybody that's listening out there that has reoccurring nightmares. I don't know the cure. Look into the fact that this is a trauma that's unsettled in your life and it's trapped in your body and it's reoccurring because of that reason. And you need to find a way to release it. 
Sounds like some good advice. Well, he's a really smart, um, I don't know if you call it a psychiatrist, psychologist, whatever the hell doctor he is, but he's a very smart guy. Well, so when people sleep and the prior sleep deprivation can induce RE, a REM sleep rebound that actually worsens nightmares, um, this negative cycle can cause some people with frequent nightmares to experience insomnia as a chronic sleep problem. Now, for this reason, people who have nightmares more than once a week have fragmented sleep or have daytime sleepiness or changes to their thinking or mood. Well, if that is the case, you should uh, contact a doctor about it. Um, A doctor can review these symptoms to identify the potential causes and treatments of their sleeping problem. So. Good advice mm-hmm. there. If you are having these issues, reach out to your PCP. Maybe they can refer you to a psychologist or somebody that can help you with this. Uh, One thing I hate that is happening a lot with primary care physicians is if you're having nightmares, they're going to tell you to take a sleep drug. They're going to tell you to take Ambien. They're going to tell you to take something that make you sleep through it. Wonderful. Great. You don't have the nightmares anymore. But all these drugs. Let me just make sure that everybody understands this. Deep sleep and REM are the regenerative parts of your sleep. They're very important. You take drugs, it eliminates the deep sleep and REM cycles. You basically go into just a trance-like, numb, zombified state to where you think you're getting sleep, but you're really not. You're not getting deep sleep and REM when you take Ambien and some of these other sleep medications so the doctor's suggestion usually again will be a drug and not confronting the issue the real reason where where does it come from allopathic medicine always misses this they just look for a way to treat the issue they don't look to go to the root of the problem and fix that so keep that in mind folks not to mention uh with uh amy you mentioned ambien like lunesta there's so many different ones they can trigger horrible horrible side effects throughout your actual wakingness so you know you may think you're getting sleep at night and you're not bothered but throughout the day you're going to start finding out that a lot of people end up with massive massive side effects so yeah and it also can you know you know think about that you're also being dependent on something that you should be able to do naturally right there's obviously another problem Right, right, right. And this is the key issue behind allopathic medicine that I am so disgruntled and so viciously angered by is the fact they never look at the root of the problem to anything. They always go, oh, here's a drug that'll fix that. It doesn't fix shit. It, it's putting a Band-Aid over your problem. That's exactly. all you're doing. You're yeah. literally going... Oh, uh, say you're in your car. I'm almost out of gas. Will you just put a sticker over your gas gauge so you don't see it? Well, you're going to fucking run out of gas. You just can't see it. Okay. This is the same thing I'm talking about. You're not fixing the problem. You need to go to the gas station and gas up. Okay. So that's all I have to say about it. I won't drag it on, but just think twice about using medications if it's for a minute period of time or occasionally because you have an issue do it but do not make it a daily habit because i have fallen into the trap and i will tell you 
They want you to be an addict like what they've created out of me. Yeah. It's avoiding the actual root of the cause rather than, you know, trying to determine what is actually, that's why I say when I, I say go to your PCP and get a referral, I'm just saying PCPs often have referrals to get Please you to somebody. You. Yeah, something. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Don't, don't rely on your PCPs and boss. Cause let's face it. They're fucking stupid. So. Well, uh, it's, it's just the way they're, they're taught by the pharmaceutical company. So let's just face it, folks. These people go and they do their, they do their education. They do their residency. They're taught the Rockefeller method of allopathic medication here in the West. And it's all about treating symptoms. None of it is about getting to the root of the problem. Unless you find a homeopathic doctor who believes in doing some of the stuff in the East, the ways they practice medicine. So if you find a doctor that has harmony between Eastern and Western practices, they're both good in certain ways. But if all you lean on is taking drugs and surgery for everything, you're going to be a fucked up person. That's all I can say. Yes. And usually uh, I'd say with these kinds of issues, a lifestyle change needs to be implemented. Uh, Most likely a lot of it, if you're not getting sleep or you're having that kind of issue, it's probably related to your health, your diet, the lack of exercise, a lot of different things. So yeah. Yeah. I, at least that's how I feel about it. I'm not a, that's a fucking a, doctor. No, no, but. no, dude. What you're saying is a factor behind almost every single problem somebody has. If they will do something about correcting their diet and getting rid of all the junky processed foods and getting into some kind of a daily physical habit, using their body, not necessarily going and being a weightlifting person like me, lifting seven or six six days a week and doing cardio and picking up heavy weights. You don't have to do that. Just make a daily habit out of walking, make a daily habit out of doing yoga, something like that. Just physically use your body. That's all Danny's saying is think about your health as far as what are you putting in your vehicle? Your body is your car. Are you putting trash in it to fuel it? Or are you putting good fuel in it? Think of your food as fuel. And then think about using your body because the more you don't use it, the more stagnant it is, the more you just get stiff, rigid, muscle waste, wasting happens, bones get brittle, on and on. So what you said was absolutely correct, and I can't enforce that enough. Well, and so it basically comes down to how can you stop nightmares? Well, I'd say that that little bit of spill right there is a pretty good start. Um, people with frequent nightmares uh, that disturb sleep should talk to a doctor, like I said, uh, determined, you know, if they have some kind of nightmare disorder or any other condition affecting their sleep quality. So there's different types of treatments that you can get into. Uh, talk therapy. Uh, is a big one, obviously, with psychology, because with talk therapy, you can kind of work out some of your emotional and uh, problems that are going on in life. Um, they may very well be hampering your sleep. Um, but uh, people that like uh, negative thinking, stress, anxiety, uh, that all can worsen your nightmares, obviously. Definitely. So, definitely. Again, your normal- be a, that's another lifestyle issue right there. Do you have a super stressful job? Do you have a super super stressful home life where like a husband or a wife is always uh, causing or boyfriend or girlfriend are always uh, causing problem, maybe beating you, maybe talking shit to you and uh, belittling you or 
you got kids that are out of control. Plus you got a crazy job where your boss treats you like shit. I mean, all these things matter. High stress leads to something. Something's got to give. And that could be it. It's coming out in your dreams. All this stress, all this trauma you're experiencing. Maybe that's how it's filtering out. Or it could be something that happened to you in your childhood. There's a trauma somewhere. There's a stress somewhere that needs to be alleviated. You just got to find out what it is by working with somebody. Yeah. And try, yeah, because basically, I mean, simply trying to suppress negative thoughts may exacerbate your nightmares. So, yeah, that doesn't work. Yeah. You've got to work through whatever it is that's causing. That's the old thing. I'll just ignore it and it'll go away. That usually doesn't work. That's like you said before. It's like putting a band aid on it instead of getting to the root cause. Right. So, uh, another step is trying to reduce nightmares uh, through sleep hygiene, which includes both sleep-related habits and the bedroom environment. Uh, healthy sleep hygiene can make your nightly sleep more predictable and may help you sleep soundly through the night. So people probably ask him, what the fuck is sleep hygiene? I oh my know. God, it's so important. Yeah. I found this out like five years ago and I've adhered to certain protocols that make my sleep better. And I'll share them if you want me to. Absolutely. Um, Okay. Well, well, let me just ask a few and let's see if you kind of adhere to these. I'll say yay or nay. So follow a stable sleep schedule. I mean, I'm sure you do. Yeah. I mean, I do too. I mean, I do. I do Monday, which I am. I'm almost like some people would say I'm a sleep Nazi. Monday through Sunday, I do the same damn thing. I basically go to bed around 10 o'clock and I wake up every morning around four to five o'clock every single morning. That's, that's a good habit to get into. I know that, uh, I, I do have a pretty, uh, uh, rough work week at times and I work, I'm, you know, I'm at work 10 hours a day. Uh, when I get home, I always try to stick to the same, you know, go to bed. Cause I know five thirty AM I got to get up. I got to be at work at seven and I work till five. So it's like, uh, on the weekends, I might catch an extra hour of sleep, maybe two. Um, and I may actually stay up about an hour later than normal. But if you stick to a very similar schedule throughout your week, um, I think that's a, a major uh, help. Having some consistency in your sleep schedule is going to make you yes, feel a little Your better. body gets regimented. Your mind gets regimented. Your body gets used to this pattern, this circadian rhythm. And another good thing is try to wake up where you can be with the sun go go out and look at the sunset the sunrise you'll hear all the leading scientists talking about this how it's very important for your circadian rhythm because if you see the sunset it sets a clock internally for your body to know when the sun goes down that your body needs to start releasing melatonin and shutting down for the night to go to sleep absolutely so and if you can't do that because you're up too early I just get in a room and I flip all the fucking lights on as bright as I can to overwhelm myself with bright light. Yeah. It's not the same. I still want to get out in the sunlight as soon as I can, but usually I'm out the door doing something early to where I get to see the sunrise anyways. But that's how I start my day is try to get into a room where you can flip a light on and like, you know, as, as bright as possible to wake up. Sounds good. That and a nice uh, shower in the morning always gets me rolling. Um, How about choose pre-bed content carefully? So avoid scary, distressing, or stimulating content in the hours before bed since it may provoke negative thoughts during sleep. 
at least an hour or two before bed, you should not be watching horror movies or action-packed movies because these have emotional content. And yes, they do affect your mind and your body, your heart rate. All these different things are affected by what you're watching. I hate to say that because for the better part of my life, I watch movies. Hell, I'd watch them till I fell asleep to them. But if you want to maintain a regular schedule, then you have to monitor what you're watching. It's true. Yeah. And they say like also like some of the stuff that you could have in your room while you're going to sleep could also be distracting. I I don't know. I I have my, I have my Bruce, I have my evil dead Bruce Campbell action figures on my wall. So I I don't know if that's uh, considered stressful to some people, but I actually find it soothing. <laughs> uh, it, that, I don't think that's such, such a big deal. I just think uh, whenever you decide you want your bedtime to be about an hour before it's time to go to bed, cut the lights off. And if you're not going to cut your TV off or you're not going to stop staring at your phone, that's a blue light, which is putting off a spectrum of the sunlight. It's tricking your brain. So it's making you not want to go to sleep and not release melatonin. So Yes, there's things you can do about it. Most people don't want to do it, but get blue blocker glasses. I've got a pair, put them on. You can still watch TV, watch a documentary or something calming, relaxing. And then, you know, about an hour into it, you'll notice you're starting to nod off, especially if you take a little melatonin or something like I do. I usually take like uh, some theanine melatonin and... I take that at nine o'clock and blue light blocker glasses on and a good documentary. And by 10 o'clock, I sometimes I've passed out with TV on and my glasses on, or I just, the documentary's over, turn it off, fling my glasses and I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready to go. Yeah. I, and I know that a lot of people probably don't know what this is, but, uh, reading a book before you go to bed, um, it's one of the best ways to put you to sleep. Yeah. So it's still, you know, it's one of those fun things I love to read and it's kind of one of those things like if you want to get kind of just in a relaxed mood and you just want to sit back and kind of, you know, read a nice story. What if, even if you like magazines, whatever, um, as long as it's not, you know, pissing you off while you're reading it, uh, I say that's also a, a wonderful suggestion. I think it's a great suggestion because you're using your imagination and that's another thing that's going to make you tired because you're burning calories with your brain. You're not burning calories with your body or doing anything crazy physical, but your mind is having to be engaged and your imagination is seeing these worlds that you're reading about and you will get tired. I mean, I've always noticed late at night if I'm reading or anything like that, I get tired fast. Yeah. And when I say reading, I don't mean picking up your fucking uh, cell phone and reading something off of there. Um, Again, back to that. You got to get away from the blue lights. And if you're going to insist on having a Kindle or something to read your books or whatever, I don't even care if it's got those different settings on it to dim the blue light and make it more warm and red. It's not good enough. You still need blue light blocking glasses. Or if you're an idiot and you can't read, there is a thing called Audible. So, um, but yeah, absolutely. <laughs> just just getting away from the whole social media thing that causes so much anxiety. I don't give a yeah. fuck what, what you people out there say. It does. It causes you anxiety, whether you know it or not. Um, but that's just, a, you know, a few things. Uh, how about limit alcohol and caffeine? So drinking alcohol Big can time. cause more concentrated REM sleep later in the night heightening your risk of nightmares. Caffeine is a stimulant 
that can throw off your sleep schedule and keep your brain wired. So both uh, absolutely totally agree with caffeine. You should stop taking in caffeine somewhere around, say your normal bedtime is nine or 10 o'clock, four to five o'clock is the end of caffeine. If not earlier, you can't, if you, it's got such a a long half life, it's going to be stimulating your heart and your brain, your blood supply, and you're trying to go to sleep. Fuck that. You can't be taking caffeine late on in the evening, tea or coffee or drink energy drinks or any of that shit. It just, it's going to make it a complete challenge for you to go to sleep. And then you're going to wonder why. Then you're going to need a doctor to prescribe a pill. Don't do it. And then alcohol, fuck no. Don't go to sleep on alcohol. Yes, you can go to sleep. You can knock out from drinking enough. But your sleep is complete and total shit. It's the kind of sleep where you don't remember anything. It is a blackout. There's nothing there. You don't go into REM like you should. You don't get the deep sleep like you should. So you don't recuperate. Alcohol is a poison too. Remember, it's fun, but it's a poison for your body. And your liver can only filter so much of the poison. So what's left over goes into your bloodstream, giving you the intoxicating effects. And that poison goes into your brain, making you woozy, making it easier for you to fall asleep. Great. But your sleep shit. Yeah. Well, that's the whole thing is like, I, you know, you just basically, if you get away from caffeine in general, it's good. I, I used to have cups of coffee in the morning um, before I had my heart attack. I was a big coffee drinker and uh, I still enjoy occasional cup of coffee on the weekend. I don't, and it's not even caffeine, it's uh, decaffeinated coffee. So uh, that's one big thing that you'll notice a huge change if you need those morning cups of coffee every day. I know some people that are just, fucking insistent on it gotta have my coffee or i'm shit for the day it's like well it's if you're big shit in america for the day, man if you're shit for the day that means there's something you're doing wrong at night you know you're not getting the sleep that you need to be waking up and feel like holy shit i feel like i got hit by a train i need like five cups of coffee to get me through the day well there's obviously yeah. a deeper problem yeah there's nothing wrong wrong with one little cup of coffee to get you going now some people might want to say different, like some super health freaks, but there's a cortisol spike you have to have in the morning to get you going. And some people are more groggy and slow to get going. And that little cortisol spike is good for you. And it is enticed to happen through caffeine usage, but you don't need a monster amount of caffeine. A cup of coffee should do it. That should give you that little jolt of cortisol that wakes up your body and gets your mind sharp and gets you going. That's true. Shouldn't have to drink the whole fucking pot. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's why it's always say that, you know, if you are going to drink them, um, they make those little, uh, single serve, uh, coffee makers. You just dump a tablespoon of coffee in there and it brews you up one, uh, technically it's, it's listed as two cups, but basically one coffee cup. And if you can't get by on that, well, you're doing something wrong. Um, yeah. And basically like what me and Danny are talking about is like 50 to a hundred milligrams of coffee in your, uh, a caffeine in your, in your morning, 50 to a hundred milligrams of caffeine in your morning. Now I know too many people that are drinking in energy drinks and coffees and stuff like that. 500 milligrams up to a thousand milligrams. Like I'm talking one gram of caffeine in their day. That's a fuckload of caffeine that's that's if you're to that point that you need that much stimulation then you've got a problem 
you need to figure out why you need that much and start figuring out a plan to back off. Yeah, I can testify. Your, your body, your body shouldn't need it. No, it's it's definitely definitely uh, overall effects are devastating on your heart and how your whole body functions. So it's not good for you. Um, block out bedroom distractions. Uh, so try to foster a sleeping environment that is dark, quiet, smells nice, and has a comfortable temperature. Um, now I don't know how many people are, you know, big on the cold. Prone, yeah, because see, I like to keep it. I, you know, I have a family, so I can't, you know, basically turn it into an ice box in here, but I do like to keep it around 70 degrees. Um, now I would prefer to have it colder, but again, like I said, there's other people in my household, so I can't really do that. But, um, they do say, I think it's what, like somewhere like from 60, 66 to 70 degrees is good temperature to sleep at. Yes. Yeah. Your, your body goes through temperature cycles as you sleep. You actually start off at a certain temperature, then you lower throughout the night as you get deeper into your sleep. When you're in REM, you're at your lowest temperature, which is usually going to be two to four degrees uh, lower body temperature than you normally have. And then as you start to wake up, your body starts to warm up. Or if you don't warm up, then you need to get somewhere warm. Normally people are under uh, you know, blankets or something like that or whatever. So d- just figure out what it is that uh, can get you cooled off at night to where you can be in that position to where you need to get kind of bundled up because you're a little chilly because you're going to sleep way better. Deeper sleep, more REM, more deep sleep. That's more quality sleep. So that's the environment Danny's talking about. And there's lots of things you can do to modify your environment now. There's like a sleep and Uller and these different devices where you can have it on your bed where each side cools to a different temperature and will modulate depending on your temperature because it's got a thermostat built in and it's even got an alarm clock where it'll buzz when you need to wake up and crap like that if you got the money for it. Now we're talking, most people think rich person products, but um, they have them now. So you can use stuff like that. And if not, just start being considered about thinking about temperature. Think about what you need to do. If you and your wife can't agree on the temperature in the house because she's freezing, then sorry, honey, I can't get under the covers with you. I'm going to be on my short with my shorts and T-shirt on the outside of the bed. And, you know, if I get a little cold, I'll just throw a little throw blanket over me or something. But I can't get into this damn comforter and fully clothed from head to toe like you because I'm burning up. Don't do it just because, I mean, and this could cause problems with some people's relationships, but you, if you're getting horrible sleep because of it, you got to think about it. You got to figure something out. Yeah. It's, it's imperative that you do get chilly to go to sleep. Yeah, I do. I I, I just have to have it where it's at. And I also have to have a, a fan. I don't ever blow the fan on me. I blow it away from me. But I like the sound. The sound that the fan puts off is just very entrancing to me. And it's something I've Your I've soundscape's had, a big deal. I've had to have it for like since I was a teenager. I just cannot I don't sleep well without it. These are um, like white white noise, brown noise, pink noise. The sound of a fan relates to all these different sounds. You can look up any of them on YouTube. There's plenty of free applications that have all these different sounds, ambient noises. Certain things that are in the background that 
trick your brain into not locking on to any specific sound, but it creates a sound to make your mind drift off. So it's easier for you to go to sleep and stay asleep. Yeah. I mean, another thing is, it's like a supportive mattress and pillow. Um, I also sleep with a body pillow. Um, I don't know what it is. It's like if I lay on my left side, I have to have a body pillow in between my major joints, like my knees. Um, I don't like them touching while I sleep. I'm very weird about that. Um, if I'm on my right same. side, yeah, if I'm on my right side, um, not so much, but I do also have a lot of shoulder and joint pains. Um, so I have to be careful which way I lay at night. Um, that's also something I could probably eventually need to get taken care of, but I'm sure there's millions of people out there that has similar issues. Um, but these are just basic things um, to keep away unwanted awakenings and irregular, irregular sleep patterns. So just suggestions out there, and it's easy to research. You can always go to sleepfoundation.org slash dreams and uh, that's where i got my information from and i invite you to join them and they have lots of good information if you're having trouble with sleeping so um give them a, a look up on the internet and i think you'll find very useful and helpful information um that's all i've got for this episode today um good I, stuff yeah i mean there's like 13 more runs on uh, nightmares and dreamscapes so there will be more podcasts uh, about nightmares and dreamscapes. Uh, okay, well, hey, man, this is lots of good information you provided. Absolutely. And uh, so, uh, until next time, I'd like to thank Jason Morris for being on here. Uh, definitely check My out his podcast. Yeah, check out his podcast. It's at uh, Keeping It Real at, I'm sorry, I'm. Con- you can email him at contact Keeping It Real. Uh, at gmail.com and his podcast is Keeping It Real with Jay Scott. You can catch him on all major podcast platforms and um, I'm actually now available on Apple, which I'm very excited about. Uh, Me too. Yeah, because they're the, they're the biggest uh, podcast platform out there still. So yeah. yeah, I'm glad you're on there. Yeah, it's great. Um, so thank you everyone for joining us on this Uh, hopefully very informative podcast and if you have any questions uh, feel free to contact me or email me Uh, so I guess to everybody out there sweet dreams (laughs) (laughs) take care do not consider these episodes as medical advice or expertise in any area I do deconstruct some experts and their material and deliver it to you, but please do all of this at your own risk.